episode version of the Hero Ball podcast. We're out dealing with the All-Star break today, but I am still Rich Davidson. I'm with my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. Guys, I mean, I don't, I, it, it's basically just me. I don't want to talk about the All-Star game at all. That's not, that's not why I'm here. I want to talk about actual basketball, and we're here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. We are recording at about 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, so in case any news breaks after this um, in regard to our topic, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, just 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 be aware when we're recording. Guys, how you doing? It's a great day to be alive. Uh, um, doing good. It's sunny. Besides almost cutting my finger off yesterday, trying to take an avocado seed out. Um, just relaxing, enjoying a nice Sunday. Gotta be careful of those avocado seeds. They, they are, uh, get a little frisky sometimes. Uh, it's okay. But you know who's been getting frisky? The Nets. And that's what we're talking about today. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually excited. I'm actually excited about this. So I will say this, preface this, um, I will say last last game I saw was their most recent loss. That's the last full game I saw of the net. So a lot of my reaction will be based on that. Just just give you guys a heads up. So wh- which game was that? And who, like, obviously they've had Kevin Durant miss some games. Kyrie's missed some games. James Harden, I basically been playing all the games, but mostly like. So as far as their big guys, who was, who was in, who was out? Uh, this was, it was against the Mavericks. That was the game that I saw because, I mean, it was on national TV. But that one, you had Durant and Kyrie out. So that one, it was an interesting one to watch. That's why I've been trying to – that's why I've been going back and watching games. I'm sure you've probably done a little bit watching games of Kyrie and Harden in and then watching going back even further to see games with Durant when he was still, when he was still in the lineup. For sure, the Brooklyn Nets are the – Second team out east at the All-Star break, just a half game behind Philadelphia. And, I mean, as far as the Eastern Conference, they've got to be up there at the top of the list as far as contenders, right? Just having the star power that you do, um, warts and all on the defensive end and other things which we will no doubt discuss. But still, they're probably the main contenders out out east. I mean, is, is that a fair statement to say? There's nothing that they've shown on the offensive end that would lead you to think they can't score on everybody, regardless of what they do on defense. Like their offense has an incredible level of efficiency to it, to where you're surrounding James Harden now with even better shooters than he had in Houston. Not to mention the one-on-one aspect of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant come health when everyone's healthy. Time you're looking at a team that can score from all three levels and has like one of the best facilitators we have in the game. Like there's absolutely no one's strengths or all everyone's strengths are being like multiplied by James Harden. Everyone's weaknesses are being buoyed by James Harden passing ability. The defense always going to be a problem for this team, barring some incredible odd trade, but with how good their offense is, I I don't know if it matters. Yeah. And I know what you're saying, but they're the best shooting team in the league right now. And their offense is one of those things. I, at least through the first two rounds, possibly three rounds of the Eastern Conference playoffs, their offense is just going to carry them. If you have those three guys healthy, I mean, pretty much in the playoffs, a lot of times you need like one or two guys to just go off completely. And 
they have three guys who can go off on any one of those given nights. Probably each of those three guys can probably win you a game on their own, and that's already three games in a series. Yeah, I mean, at the All-Star break, they have an offensive rating of 119, which the if, if you want to go back to the last year where we talk, where we had the Dallas Mavericks, the best offensive rating um, of all time, that was 116.7. So, like... We're we're in a completely different realm of things. The, the issue is that out of thirty teams, the Brooklyn Nets are twenty six in their defensive rating. So uh, obviously we're aware of their difficulties, like you said. But if you know, looking at just the teams that out east, at least that are that are going to be a problem. I'm, I'm really only looking at um, two teams, which are number one and number three, that I think can actually give them serious problems. Like I. Don't get me wrong. Um, a meeting against the Miami Heat, I think, would not be fun. But at the same time, unless the Heat get some things together, I, I don't anticipate that being... I don't anticipate the Heat being able to do anything. So, like, it really is, I think, Milwaukee and Philadelphia, the two teams up there in the top three, that might, you know, make things interesting, to say the least. I think having Joel B specifically, if you're Philadelphia, and his ability to score at multiple levels and also anchor a team defensively. Whereas if the, if the nets don't go small against Joel Embiid, he can hang out pretty close to the rim and, you know, be a deterrent for anyone who wants to drive where, you know, defenders can still kind of hug up on their man everywhere else. If you force Joel out on the perimeter to play some defense, he's still going to be a solid defender, but it's still like, it might end up being a layup line if there's any switching that goes on and he has to end up, you know, on a Joe Harris for part of a possession. So you're going to have problems there. But like on like there's no one on on Brooklyn currently that's going to be able to guard Joel Embiid, but you get to the point where are you fighting fighting twos with or fighting threes with twos and you still might lose that game because they got a guy in Joe Harris who's getting a lot of wide open looks and he's shooting 60% on wide open threes this year. Pretty tough. Yeah, with that one, it might just be if they ever do, if they do make the playoffs, it's going to be Nets are going to like Joel Embiid. You're going to get yours. Go ahead and do what you need to do, and we're just going to keep firing off our shots. I think that series for for Philly is really going to be like, all right, Simmons and Harris. What are you guys going to do to help help us match up with you guys? Because that's what it's probably Joel Embiid's probably going to have like one of those series where he averages 30 points a game, like 15 rebounds, and just dominate all around. But then if the Nets are like, all right. You get your two pointers, and like Ethan said, we'll shoot our threes. We'll do what we need to do. And almost feels like with the Milwaukee Bucks, it's a similar thing. Where, but I feel like in a sense where they're like Giannis, you're not going to try to kill us in the post as much. But with Milwaukee, they're probably still like we still feel like our best three are going to outlast your best three if we're going bucket by bucket. I yeah again right now I think that the Nets being the second seed, it would really be wise of them to get the number one seed if they can. I think that that's going to be an important thing for them because it would be great to not have to face both those teams in, in the in the playoffs in back-to-back rounds. Like, it would be great if you could just see one of them in the conference finals. That would be, I think, a good thing for them. But if we're talking about facing against those two teams who have dominant interior presences, then, you know, in Embiid and in Giannis, then it, for me, this kind of... I mean, you can see it in, in the additions that they're making, right? These 10-day contract guys that are like, they're trying to bring in and and they keep bringing in bigs. Obviously, they, they brought in 
um, Roberson Robertson. Uh, they, they they have hit they have him there, but th- the thought is now with Blake Griffin being bought out, leaving Detroit in a sweet thirteen million dollars. We appreciate you, Blake. The thought is he's going to go to the Brooklyn Nets, and the question that we might have is, well, what in the world can Blake Griffin do for these Brooklyn Nets? Is there any any way that he can help them? I mean, you look at how Blake has been playing, and if you haven't been watching, he's not the Blake from the season he made All-NBA a couple couple seasons ago, right? 18-19, Blake is, is not there anymore. Uh, he's been not... He can't move very well laterally. Uh, he has not gotten up for a dunk at all this year. And he... he his shot, at least this year, has not been great. While I will say his three-point um, shot quality also has been pretty tough. He's not been taking open, easy shots, which the moment you go to Brooklyn, guess what? Guess what Guess what type of shots you're going to get? You're going to get probably a nice and easy one. So I think in Brooklyn, uh, he could have a better three-point shooting percentage. I, th- I think that that will improve at least from where he's at now, maybe to the 18-19 level of shooting about 35-36% from three, although on much easier attempts. I think that I think we could see that type of Blake um, in Brooklyn. His facilitation is is pretty good. I'll, I'll say he's still able to to make good passes, make good reads. The question's going to come on the defensive end. Do you guys think, and I, I have an idea myself, but I want to throw it to you guys first. Do you think he's helpful at all in either series against Brooklyn or against Milwaukee? I don't. I don't personally think so. I think Blake Griffin at this stage of his career, um, based off of the evidence I saw of his Detroit um, last stint, is like this last year in Detroit, is he is here to help you get through the regular season, and that's basically it. I the players I want to bring up in terms of like what who we're replacing or taking minutes from in the rotation are as follows. We're talking about a Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Bruce Brown, Timothy Lau Cabarro, Nick Claxton, and I think I think that's it in terms of who you're you are actually taking minutes away from to insert Blake Griffin into the lineups. And when I look at all those names, I can't think of anything distinctively that Blake Griffin does that much better than any of those players other than what Richard brought up to me in text, which is he's a better facilitator. But then my st- argument still is if Blake Griffin's doing your facilitation when you have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, are we doing this correctly? And I would argue no. Okay, I'm going to let you go first before I... Before I not make a complete rebuttal, but before I try to just put a little, 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 little token into Ethan's ear here, just to think about the little, little nugget. Go ahead, Elton. What are your thoughts? Can you help them? I may be, I may be on the opposite side of of Ethan. I still think there's some value there, and I see some value of still putting Blake paired up with some of those guys, one of your, one of your three, your big three for the Nets, and. I, I know his explosiveness is not where he used to be. He's not going to go and leap over people, but I still would like to see him in some pick-and-roll situations. I still would like to see him. I I know we don't want him to distribute as much because you have those guys, but I think he could provide you great value off the bench, especially when you have him paired with one of those guys 
and you're running some plays, some two-man games with them. That's what that's where I'm at right now. I know Ethan's kind of like playoffs. Forget about it. Regular season, yeah, put some Blake in. I don't mind him. He's not going to take away much. But in the playoff series, when they have several games to figure you out, he's not going much time. But I still think there's a place for him. Here's where I stand. First off, I think that James Harden and Blake Griffin on the same in the same lineups, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's helpful. I don't think that's really useful unless you're saying, Blake, we're really just having you out there to space the floor. In which case, sure, let's go ahead and uh, have you know, uh, Jeff Green be be that guy. He's going to be a better cutter. He's going to be, or, or Bruce Brown, right? One of those guys who have, and weirdly, been playing like the big roles for, for, for this Nets team when uh, Kevin Durant's been out and they didn't want to throw Nick Claxton in there. Like, Bruce Brown has, effect, has effectively been a center for this team, which is kind of weird. But... So yeah, in those types of situations, let's go ahead and put them there. But if you don't have James Harden out there, perhaps you still want to have Kyrie Irving doing things off ball. Perhaps you want uh, Kevin Durant to be able to come off some screens and to and to initiate something um, on you know as as a secondary kind of uh, action. Perhaps you would prefer to have something of that nature. Offensively, I think that's where he could potentially be useful. He could kind of be a hub uh, in running some dribble handoffs up at the top and hit, running a dribble handoff with someone uh, where, you know, he's bigger. He can set some screens pretty well if you're doing uh, that type of thing. I think he could do a pretty good job with Joe Harris in that regard. So I think offensively, that's where he could be helpful. But defensively, I think he can be useful in very specific situations. He's completely unuseful in a situation like in the game that I watched the Brooklyn Nets play against the Clippers. There's just no need for him, no use for him there because a team like that is just going to get their, you know, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard switched on. That's what they do, right? They're going to get them switched on and and you're going to have, you're going to be attacked the whole time. But then I look at a team like the, uh, like the teams we're talking about, Giannis and Joel Embiid. And I think Blake Griffin you know, if you get Embiid's uh, or Griffin switch on onto Embiid, maybe that's not the desired uh, matchup you want to begin with. But Blake Griffin is strong. He can hold his own. And guess what? He can flop with the best of them. He, before going out this season, he was second in charge. And I think first in charges per game drawn. So that in a playoff series could theoretically be useful. Again, spot minutes, very specific um, uh, role, right? And against Giannis, if you look at the, th- I'm just going to pull up again three games that the Pistons played against the Bucks. The, the the Bucks won all of them. All right, but if you take a look at the game without Blake Griffin that Detroit played, Giannis went and dropped 43 points on 70% shooting. Right, 70% shooting. It, it was it was not very good. Then you look at the two games that he played with Blake Griffin out there being the primary defender. Blake goaded him into a lot of long twos, a lot of long threes, and was able to hold him to 25 and 22 points respectively. Obviously, we had Sadiq Bey trying to defend him early on in, in his rookie season against Giannis, and that, that's just not good. And Giannis obviously is going to get some points in transition. But if you got once you got to the half-court setting, he did a reasonable job, I think, because he is a smart basketball player still. 
And just like Kyle Lowry, he's a smart basketball player and he can use charge drawing and, and, his, and, and knowing how far to be spaced between you and the player like Giannis, I think he could be helpful there, especially since we already know the Brooklyn Nets approach to it, which is we're just going to sag off of Giannis. Blake Griffin can sag off of Giannis, I think, effectively and know kind of how to um, how to defend him. So I think he could be helpful in a particular match against there if, if we've got to get James Harden a couple of minutes rest. Because I think offensively, you can still make things work. And defensively, I think he can be a body that you can use, a, a, a body better than, like, Nick Claxton is not going to know how to defend in that type of situation, right? Jeff Green is not as strong as Blake Griffin is, right? Obviously, you have DeAndre Jordan out there, and he's the attempt, and the whole time, they're trying to figure out a better spot. I just, I think that there is potential for value. Um, I, I think he could be useful in that regard. In those two, in those two series, so that, that's that's my thought process there on Blake Griffin to the Nets. Well, you you lay out a decent case for it. Um, I don't think it's particularly good. I think we're looking at a lot more of a small sample size, and you know, I I, I don't think he is the reason Giannis struggles. I think it's a circumstantial at at best. Um, but I understand what you're saying though, like his. Blake Griffin's basketball IQ hasn't gone anywhere, and he knows how to play play hoops. And that will always make you more valuable than not. I mean, look at Boris Diaw. Boris Diaw was not physically capable of playing basketball on a championship-level Spurs team. But because he knows exactly what to do at all times, he was still a basketball player in this league. I mean, I, I wanted to make a Jared Dudley comparison, but then I rem remembered that that's actually not that's not a okay thing to say that he's awful and he should not be on the Lakers. They're like, as, as I am about them having Montrezl Harrell, I am more mad that they have Jared Dudley on the team. All that being said, like, I, I think the biggest point is he makes more sense for Brooklyn than just about any other team out there. And that's where, because what other team, needs a like that much help like what other, what other place can he go that he is like all of his weaknesses which are primarily defensively based does it not matter and with Brooklyn being so bad at defense but yet a, a great team I think that's a pretty strong distinction I got two teams that I think he could be he could help he could be helpful for their perspective situations. Doesn't mean that putting him on the team makes them all of a sudden, if you know, bumps them up a level level as far as contendership necessarily. Like, but you could put him on the on the Milwaukee Bucks, like we're talking about. I mean, they've got a lot of defenders and and that, that can cover for his type of limitations. You can put him in uh if Brooke Lopez, right? You, he's basically primarily used as a spacer. Well, in the line that you take, take him out, you could have Blake Griffin kind of take that role and be able to facilitate and get Giannis into good positions down low offensively. So I think he's one where uh, just having, having having him, like I, I think he could be better than Bobby Portis, perhaps. Um, I think he also could be useful for a team that just would like to have extra ball movement and facilitation, a team like the Golden State Warriors, right? Where if Draymond's not out there, they have no facilitation. So 
if you want to be able to run Steph off a lot of screens and you want to be able to have Steph off ball at some points in time, like they like to do, I think Blake Griffin in a situation like that could be helpful. Now, does he make the Warriors contenders? Absolutely not. Like he would just probably help their depth, right? And same thing with the with the Bucks. At this time, Blake Griffin is not an impact player. Doesn't mean he can't be a somewhat useful one in the right situation. You're right. I just don't. I I think he is a minimal contributor to any team that signs him. But the Nets might be the one he contributes to the most. Miami with their four situation could have been maybe could have been helpful there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's that helpful. I mean, he, there's no. I, I will say there's nothing he does right now better than Kelly Olynyk, and I hate Kelly Olynyk. Passing facilitation again. Kelly Olynyk's just as good at that as Billy. No, 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 no. I can't. I can't. I can't let that slander. I cannot let that slander take place. There's no. There's no time that Kelly Olynyk has ever had the facilitation responsibility of a Blake Griffin and been able to carry the load as much. Like that, that's, that's just not true. That's just and Blake Griffin's not time true. time has passed. Not as a facility. Again, your, his IQ facilitation are still there. He's still just as good at those things. It's the other aspects of his game that are suffering. Yeah. Well, Kyle Lennox is a pretty solid facility. People forget he was a point guard in high school. And at the end of the day, like Kelly, there's nothing Kelly can't do on the offensive side of the ball other than jump. He just is stupid and doesn't want to shoot the ball, even though he's a 40% three-point shooter. We're done talking about Blake Griffin, I, I, I think, at this point in time. I, I think if both of them were free agents and you, you could get them for the cheap cheaps, everyone would rather have Kelly Olenek than Blake Griffin right now. I think I think that is accurate. Uh, we, we will uh, we will be able to actually see this in action in a season this offseason by the end of the season yeah end of the season we'll be able to see that now I think that if he sticks around in in Miami you know ha- them having their bird right his, his bird rights and stuff then then that might not be as much of an it could be a little bit of apples and oranges type of situation but um yeah I, I mean we'll be able to to see are they are they held together I'm still in... hoping that there's a Zach Levine trade on the horizon. <laughs> in hope it would appear well so let's do you buy i mean we've we've talked about these three teams as as a catcher do you buy that brooklyn is the best team out of all the eastern conference and do you you think that they're going to be the team that actually represents the eastern conference in the finals why or why not As, as of right now i think so yes what do you think elk I mean, right now, I think they're inching more and more to favorites. It's just, and I think you guys, I I think you guys know this, but in your minds, it might not make much of a difference. I just feel like the playoffs are a different beast, and I'm curious to see how this team functions in the playoffs when a team is able to face them continually night after night or every other night, and they're able to slow the game much more and make Brooklyn play more defense. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn does does get into a close series and happens to lose that close series like i could see philadelphia being them in a seven game series or something like that like i could see the things going a certain way for philadelphia and that happening like right now brooklyn of course immensely talented and it wouldn't surprise me if they made it to the finals but that's what i want to i just feel like something's going to happen in the playoffs first where they're going to have some type of struggle they may overcome it they may not but i feel like that's that's one of my bigger worries right now. They can definitely fall victim to having a cold 
day. Like, like we saw the Rockets. I know none of the players on the Rockets were Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But, you know, they missed all those threes in a row with James Harden contributing as well. Like, they are, they can definitely fall victim to that. And when the, if those kinds of games happen, they will have a tough time because they do not have the ability to stop many teams. Like, but what I still see at the end of the day is if, if you got to go possession for possession towards the end of a game with a team, there's very few scenarios where I'm not ha- I'm not feeling great knowing that Kevin Durant can take every shot from my team all the way down the stretch. Because I don't care what kind of offense you run, Kevin Durant shooting the ball, regardless of how good well it's contested, I feel great about that. I really do. And especially when you can't help off of Harden, Kyrie, or Joe Harris. I feel even better about that. And so I think when we watch like games come down to the wire, you have, in my opinion, the best bucket that's ever existed, which is Kevin Durant. I feel great about that. I think the, the Brooklyn Nets having three guys, obviously Kevin Durant, then James Harden, then Kyrie Irving, kind of if you were to kind of order it, one A, B, C. Um, uh, like, it, it makes the playoffs very matchup proof and, like, ankle rolled proof, like, if Anthony Davis goes down, we're seeing kind of the the difficulty that the, the Lakers are having right now with, with him out of the lineup. Like, they are in close, hard games with teams that aren't that good because Rob Palenka, I mean, we're here for some slander. Like, he, he, he deserves all of it, right? He hasn't done a very good job, and it's been well-documented, well-noted. But you see how an injury can... Uh, cause an issue there. We see, we saw how an injury to the Miami Heat, you know, the, the more star power you have, the more you can withstand an injury, right? With 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 Miami Heat, you know, with, um, you know, Goran Dragic going out, well, you needed basically like all of those main guys to be firing on all cylinders for them to be able to go ahead and go toe-to-toe with the Lakers. Now, in any of these matchups, you knock down one star from each team, Brooklyn still has more, right? You knock down one from from Brooklyn. Guess what? Now you're evenly matched with stars versus stars in in, in each of those series. So like, I I just view them as having the ultimate kind of safety net in having all three of those guys. Obviously, Kevin Durant is the one that you can least afford to lose, being where he is, and just the fact that they don't have anyone else of that size that is a good basketball player. I, I think that's why I think Milwaukee actually gives them the toughest um, road and if they have to play Milwaukee in the playoffs. And it's because, like, when you talk about stars, like Chris Milton and Drew Holiday aren't on the level of stars as Kyrie and James Harden. Giannis and Kevin Durant, I would say, are equals. Um, but for what it's worth, like, Drew Holiday is one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. And if he is giving Kyrie a, a hassle – I, I think there's a scenario where Kyrie could get goaded into taking even more bad shots because he's trying to prove a point that Drew Holiday doesn't have anything on him. And I think Chris Middleton can do a, a, a makeup job on James Harden for a lot of points. Like, I could see a scenario where that big three of the Bucks, just based on the surrounding talent, would, could, could prove very difficult for the Nets to overcome if one of those big three are struggling. Whereas I look at the Bucks as like, I, I, I do think, 
I, I don't think their their postseason struggles have a lot to do with like mental makeup and et cetera, et cetera. I think it has all to do with matchups that they've ran into. And because I, I've watched Chris Middleton play and be a killer, I don't think that goes away selectively in, in clutch moments. And I I think that that lineup with, with Drew Holiday making all the right decisions. Like I, I, I'm blanking on who they played the other day, but it was it was end of the game scenario. The Bucks get a rebound after someone caroms to the basket, throws up some slop and doesn't go in, or maybe it did go in. But Drew Holiday, either way, he said, "Let's go quick." Runs all the way down the court and hits a mid ranger, and it, it sealed the game because he saw bodies on the floor. So we're not we, we're not calling timeout. We're pushing up. All those little things. I think come together for the Bucks proving to be the toughest matchup for this team based on the defensive matchups individually they can uh, assign. I would also agree, but I would also say that you're, you're, you're overlooking one little thing, Ethan. You don't want Drew Holiday on Kyrie Irving. You want Dante DiVincenzo on Kyrie Irving. That will make Kyrie Irving want to make someone pay a little bit more. Um, <laughs> so that that's going to be the, the matchup that you want. Also, I, I just love Drew Why Holiday we just put on Pat Connaughton out there. Well, because Pat Connaughton isn't actually as good defensively uh, as Dante DiVincenzo. So, um, but I, I, I agree with you. I think that that's an important thing. It, when Giannis is more destructive, can be more destructive, I think, offensively than a Ben Simmons. Obviously, that's the person that you're going to be um, uh, hiding your DeAndre Jordans on, probably, if, if need be. Obviously, maybe you want... DeAndre Jordan on, on some Embiid, but like, I, I just view, I agree. I, I view, I, I view Milwaukee as the more difficult matchup for this team. So I don't know. We'll see. Just for the record, I wanted to give everyone a proper thing. Cause there's no basketball happening today. Other than the all-star game, if I'm not mistaken. So there's no basketball uh, happening. Correct. If you wanted to, if you have a league pass and you want to go back and watch it, the, the game I was referencing was Milwaukee versus Memphis. John Morant drove to the lane, got a very acrobatic layup, was hoping for a foul. Um, it's laying on the ground looking around. Bucks inbound, run down, four on three, and Drew Holiday buries a buries a mid ranger to answer the layup and take the lead. That's the play I'm referencing. If you want to go watch the closing minutes of that game. Important note. I think as well, you mentioned it, Ethan, the, I don't think that it's a matter of, again, the mental makeup, uh, or, you know, Giannis or, or Chris Milton aren't, aren't killers in the playoffs. It's, it, it's no, you, you ran into a situation where you got out coach. It was, it was the, I mean, top two coaches out East, right. In, in Spo and, and in Nick Nurse that you really, you know, had your downfall against. And if you want to go back even further, you know, Brad Stevens, right? So, like, you just have been outcoached in those situations in, in previous years. I don't know much. Of, I, we haven't seen Steve Nash yet, but guess what? I, 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 I'm not concerned. We, we don't know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, as, I'm not as concerned. And, and, and to go even further down that point, like, take a peek at the, the, the stars leading those teams. We're talking about Kawhi Leonard as a absolute dog defensively, someone who's an irritant but also can get you the clutch buckets, and then Jimmy Butler for the Heat side. And then I would say you go to the second-best player on those teams, and you're looking at Bam Adebayo, a defensive menace, a guy who gets into everyone's um, business and causes havoc. And I know he's much smaller but Kyle Lowry does the same thing for point guards and, and, and anyone dribbling the ball. He's a menace to, 
to dribble the ball around, especially as the game comes down to the line, and he's going to start throwing his body around uh, on purpose or uh, by happenstance. He's going to get some calls. He's going to get some steals. Like, I look at those two teams and the, the players leading them, and they're guys who make other people uncomfortable. And that's always going to, like, cause some problems. Like, yeah, I don't, I, based on the way I've seen those two play, I don't think it's anything mental. Like, I think it's just one of those – it's tough matchups and good coaching. And like you say with Steve Nash, like, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Um, but if, even if you look down his bench, it's not like Mike D'Antoni has ever, like, got his team to rise above to the next level. You know, we're, we're looking at it a little short into the stick so far. Mike D'Antoni has changed, changed the game, and his philosophies have been super impactful for the game of basketball. He just hasn't won it yet. And, and that's, I mean, he's run against, he's run into difficult teams and hard situations, but it's, you don't necessarily see that same type of thing as of yet. Well, so, sometimes the person who is the genius uh, and has the pr- idea is the one who knows how to best execute it for what it's worth. Like there, there's, I think pr- plenty of horrible examples in history where someone thinks of something and someone else steals it and makes it better. I mean, I don't, I don't want to su- cite anything and get it wrong, but there's, there's certainly some, some of those situations in the past. Anything else you guys want to talk about before I get into my fake trades for the Brooklyn Nets? No, just go ahead. I'll see if I can think of a fake trade while you uh you sh- shell out yours. Okay, so I got I got I have three of them, and there's one that's my favorite. Uh, one only and only one of them involves the Detroit Pistons. So, so you're welcome. Uh, okay, here here's the first one. Um, again, it should be noted the Nets have a couple of free roster spots, so. You kind of keep that in mind as, as you go through this. To the Pistons, I'll do the Pistons one first. I don't like it. I don't think it helps, but uh, apparently something, it has been discussed. Apparently the Pistons have some interest in Spencer Dinwiddie, and Spencer Dinwiddie does have a player option at the end of this year, but could opt to stay in. Maybe you just want him to get for his bird rights, to be able to extend him. So Spencer Dinwiddie for, drumroll please, Mason Plumley to get just to get another big in there. Baseball has been playing well, but again, it's it, it, the things he does well will be minimized in a team of Brooklyn's situation. So there's that. Also, you could throw in if you wanted to. You could throw in um, Wayne Ellington just to have you know extra shooting because they can absorb that. But there's the first one. I don't like it at all. Uh, moving forward, I, I I do like the idea of uh, Mason Plumley going back to where it all began in Brooklyn, uh, where he attempted to win a dunk contest at one point. Oh, bad. Okay. Um, the next one. And I only mentioned that first one with Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie's involved in all these because he's really their only trade piece that has any substan- substantial um, money. And I, I know that the Pistons have some interest in Dinwiddie for whatever reason. Uh, so let's also assume that this other team has some interest in Dinwiddie. And, and I don't know if, if that argument could really be made, but they like point guards. Uh, and that would be the Oklahoma city thunder Spencer Dinwiddie for, um, Trevor Ariza, just straight up one for one. And if he decides to stick around, then okay. You've got, uh, you know, you, you, you've got another point guard to kind of pair up with your, uh, you know, glut of point guards and your three guard lineups over there in OKC. Um, you save a couple million dollars this year just with the contracts of them of each of them if you are the Thunder. And you get Trevor Ariza over in Brooklyn. How do we think, what do we feel about that one? Is Trevor Ariza to Brooklyn, is that helpful at all? I think it definitely is. That's just another body. I mean, I 
watching the Blazers really closely last year, I, I think he still has juice. I think his shot is, is failing him more than anything else. Like, I, I just look at his body, and I think, like, parts of it are breaking down. And I think the shot is one of the things that's being affected based on what I saw him do for the Blazers last year. But in terms of being a guy who can get out there, hustle a little bit, and, um, you know, just cause some problems, like, I think Trevor Ariza to the Brooklyn Nets would be – equally as helpful if not more helpful than Blake Griffin to the Nets just because I like guys he can still run around he can still be 6'8 I like that a little bit better like everything you're hoping for from the Rovers and Robertson camp from the Timothy Laou Cabarro team I think he does those things like he can still shoot 36% from three which is what TLC is uh, I'm not gonna say his name twice TLC is gonna provide all right so, so those now comes my favorite one which helps not at all with the defensive issues that they have. This is not a defensive trade. It's a more, let's just steer more into the offensive situation. But it doesn't take away any defense, so that's helpful. Um, one thing that was disappointing for me as I was watching the Brooklyn Nets is Landry Shamit. just don't think he has been as, as good as, as he has in the past, right? It just hasn't been looking very well. And so what if you could just take whoever was supposed to be in that role and just insert a better version of that player what if you could do that and so got my mind thinking let's go ahead and take spencer dinwiddie and Landry shamit package them together for evan fournier actually i don't mind that one I'll the money that. works i don't mind that the, one the, the, I, it's I, successful i know that's the one that you were kind of like eh, but i don't mind that one i think that'll be good it's my favorite them. i think that, but it helps yeah. it doesn't help them defensively yeah. but yeah i know like why don't we just make shamit better yeah i mean you would make that but i mean and Am, am I – I'm kind of just looking at having Evan Fournier there. Like, offensively, I think I'll be a little bit more worried about him. And I feel like Evan Fournier is better, too, at being a playmaker than Shamit is as well. Just a- a- extra extra injury. You know, if if, if, Kyrie, if Kyrie goes down, okay, now you have, you know, someone else to kind of offensively join in there. You know, just more more rest for people in, in the regular season if you need to. Um, do the Magic do this? I mean – Again, have no idea anyone's excitement on Spencer Dinwiddie. But even if Dinwiddie leaves, okay, now you have Shamit locked up for another year, and you can test him out and see if he hit, if he if he can replace Evan Fournier, who most likely is not going to be around uh, on the on this Magic team next year. Does that make sense for for both teams? I I think so. Like I, I was I was just reviewing our um, trade NBA. Um profile with the Hearball account and I was recently reviewing the Nikola Vucevic trade we did with the Celtics where we gave this uh, Magic two first round picks and I think some pretty good young prospects and some bozo commented saying the Magic say no and like I want to know you can't just say like in my opinion if you're going to comment give a good reason not just that the Magic say no because where else are you getting two first round picks I don't care if they're good or not and two young prospects, one was formerly a number one high school recruit in Romeo Langford, and the other being a, a Robert Williams, a guy who a lot of people like keep opining about how he deserves to get more run, he'll grow. I just don't understand why the Magic wouldn't do that trade. And I think this is another situation. That team needs to blow it up. Evan Fournier, while you got him from the Nuggets, and he, he turned into more than I think you would have expected in that Aaron O'Flaw trade, you don't need him anymore. It's time. If you have Cole Anthony... Time to let him play a little bit. Find out how bad he is. And you have Markel Fultz. Let him play. He's actually good at some things. Like, it's it's time to move on from this iteration of uh, 7 to 10 seed magic 
even though I know that's in the playoffs, it's time to move on from that because it's no longer um, going to work. And send Nikola Vucevic out, send Fournier out, call it good. Let me let me also just like give a little bit of benefit of the doubt to that guy. Like we can't put explanations on to you know like and speak in depth on why we think this is going to be a good trade on Trade NBA. So I mean he can he obviously did person did like it, but he's a Magic not, fan. He doesn't like <laughs> okay. he doesn't like anything. Yeah, of course, I mean Vooch is the only thing they have right now. So I I I, I understand. I got I got a trade um, that will make Elkid happy. All right, it's going to be the Pacers and the Hornets. <laughs> Pacers Hornets. We are trading. We are trading the Pacers, Cody Zeller, Malik Monk, and Devontae Graham for Miles Turner. <laughs> Bring the boys home. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, why are you doing this? And the money works. Ethan, I don't like this. I knew you wouldn't. That's why I brought it up. But at some point, I think the Miles Turner is going to get traded. And I would like it to be to the Hornets because I would like to see Miles Turner um, be in the stretch. Like, again, this is just – I just wanted to talk about this. I'm really enamored with LaMelo Ball. You know, we've, we've talked about him in the rookie update. I just wanted to talk about him a little bit more before we head out today. But I would love to see Miles Turner like be the defense, like a Miles Turner type, be the defensive base for a Hornets team. So like PJ Washington can still be a sprayer, but we can use more of his athleticism um, and go into the rim. Miles Bridges, I didn't separate that that uh that tandem with hit the oop threat, which is so fun. Uh, I would just love to have a Miles Turner type in Charlotte, and currently they have nothing at the big man position other than just a screen-setting Cody Zeller. But anyway, I knew this would make Elkin sad, so I wanted to bring it up. Dislike it through. So say I know you do. I, I, I think you have some color bias, Elkin. You, if you don't stop with this. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know why you wouldn't want Washington High School's own Cody Zeller, a man who once blocked my shot. I don't know why you wouldn't want that in part as part of your life. At least you could say you went against him and held your ground. I didn't. It got set so badly. <laughs> all right, Richard, was that it? I think I think you said three trade. That's ideas. it. That's all I got. That's that. I, I was done. I, I'm I'm done out of here. So. I... Can we have Zach Levine on the Heat?